0: Thank you for listening to a sermon from Knox Evangelical Presbyterian Church, located in Kenmore, New York. Our senior pastor is Justin Olivetti. To reach Knox Church, please email us at office at com or call us at 716 873 2423. To request prayer, email us at prayerchain at com. Now let's listen. Thank you, choir.
1: Read some articles that say for for the most peaceful family get-togethers, it's always very awkward around the Christmas and Thanksgiving seasons. You're you're navigating a lot of waters, a lot of bringing people together. So they always advise the two things you don't talk about are religion and politics. So let's do both tonight. Um, So if I can get political for a minute, I feel very strongly, and I hope you're right there with me, That Congress needs to reconvene uh, and, and pass a bill stating that Christmas cannot officially start until the day after Thanksgiving, in both homes and in retail shopping stores. At least I feel that way. I feel that way. I feel like it, I think every year we feel like it starts a little earlier and earlier every year. I don't know, maybe it's you or one of your neighbors that puts up their lights around Labor Day. And their wreaths on their door, and then they don't take it down till the first heat wave of the next summer. I mean, people just love Christmas. I used—I grew up and I had a pastor, and I'm not kidding—he would make us sing Christmas carols deep into February. He loved Christmas so much. I guess it's kind of futile to resist it. I'm not really a Grinch. If it brings a lot of joy to you to start Christmas when everybody's trick or treating, God bless you. You know, go go with it. But I was thinking about why. Why are people so so in love with Christmas that we want to get a jump on it earlier and earlier every year? Now, you know, okay, the shopping, the whole shopping district, they push for it. But I think society does too. And I was really thinking about that. Why do we want Christmas to come early? Well, for some, it's because winter, it's a kind of depressing time of year. And Christmas and lights and cheer and all the events and all the activities that we do help to kind of push off the gloom and all the snow shoveling and all that stuff we do and bring some light into our life. But the more I thought about it, I think that the love of Christmas, this great love of Christmas, comes from from a deep-rooted hunger for something deeper in our lives. A deep-rooted hunger. People love Christmas because it embodies the absolute best in life. You have things like Family coming together, charity, love, giving, receiving. A lot of the kids are thinking about receiving right now. In a couple more hours, they're going to be receiving a little bit. What about food and, and a stocking full of positive emotions? I mean, Christmas is just all these wonderful things bundled up. So I I was thinking about that for many years. Why we love Christmas? Why we want to start Christmas so early? And it finally came upon me like a revelation. And I truly believe this. People crave Christmas because in our frail and sinful lives, this holiday, above all others, gives us just a glimpse of heaven. It gives us a glimpse of heaven with Christ right at the center of our praise and worship. But, but, Christmas comes. And Christmas goes. And unless you happen to be a proprietor of one of those all-year Christmas stores, eventually, the tree goes out into the trash, right? The the lights are taken down, the ornaments are put back in the attic, the gifts are put into our closet, the food settles into our waistline, and that's it for another year, right? Christmas is over. That glimpse is gone. The joy of the holidays is replaced with just another day. I really find January or February kind of depressing because of that. I think I've often thought Christmas should have been in January instead of December. We're we're not used to winter yet. We're going to get soon. But for people who love Christmas so much and yet don't have Jesus in their lives, I wonder why they kind of torture themselves with this glimpse. It's like as if you hadn't eaten for 10 days and you're finally your body's so frail and shaking and they sit you down and, and right in front of you they put the juiciest steak and the fluffiest mashed potatoes and the best the best salad in the world. And you get one bite and it's so savory. And then they take all those, that food away before you could complete the meal. And that would be torture. That would be cruel. You would almost cry because of that. Well, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the full meal of our lives, not Christmas. He is all the wonderful, exciting things that Christmas is, yet he is far more filling and eternally available. When the Christmas season ends, whether that's for you on the day after Christmas or January 1st or deep into February, whenever that is, when Christmas, the Christmas season ends for the follower of Jesus, we don't hang our heads and wonder when again, when again we're going to feel that love and when we're going to be challenged to give, when we're going to be challenged to, to love other people, and when we're going to experience that sense of belonging. We don't wonder when that might come back around. All of this continues for us right through the year, right through January and February and on into 2020 and the rest. The Christmas season doesn't become for us a be-all, end-all of the high point of emotions of the year. Instead, for us, for those who follow Christ, it becomes a thrilling reminder that we are loved. We are loved. I want to read this for you. This is from 1 John today. In the fourth chapter, in 1 John, it's all about love. If you ever want a book in the Bible that tells you how much God loves you, go to 1 John. Because 1 John said, in fact, I want to read this to you because this is the Christmas story from God's perspective. Not from the perspective of the shepherds, not from the perspective of Mary, but this is God's perspective. I want to read this for you from 1 John 4, verses 8 and 9. This is how... God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he provided for us. That night over 2,000 years ago, God didn't just send us a pair of tube socks or a little card that says, I wish you well this holiday season. He took his immense love for his people. And he took that love and he put that love into action. And he did it not just for a people who loved him back, but he did it for a people that were already rebelling against him, were sinning against him, and often were hating him outright. And still he looked at them and he said, I love you. I want to come down and I want to rescue you. He put it on the line. He came in the world to atone for our wrongs. He sacrificed Himself. He came that we might live through Him as 1 John says. On Christmas Day, we celebrate that our God got down in the dirt and the hay and the pain of our lives so that he, His love might bring you back from your destruction. Now one thing I've heard a lot, I've had four kids and I've certainly been a lot of Hospitals, I've seen a lot of cute babies uh, around my time, some ugly babies too, but you never tell the moms <laughs> that. All, all babies are born, they look like prunes, right? You just can't say that. It's just, Steve's shaking his head, like, yeah, I know. But about day four, they're beautiful. And every time I hear the same phrase, I hear people tell me, man, the birth of a baby, the miracle of childbirth, that, that is a miracle right then. And I don't really contradict them, I think it's a type of miracle. But if we're ever to look for the one birth that was ever a true miracle, it would be the birth of Jesus Christ. Not just the fact, the miracle that he was born to a virgin, although that is certainly part of it, but the miracle that your God loved you so much that he said, I'm going to humiliate myself for you. I'm going to live your life. I'm going to get down in your pain. I'm going to feel the things you feel. I'm going to reach up to the stand, a high standard God set, and I'm going to live the perfect life. And then at the end of it, I'm going to die for you. That's what our Christ does. That's how Christ loved you. If you're ever wondering, does anybody ever love me? Am I worth it? Does God look at me and go, whoops, I made a mistake. I made seven billion really good ones, but I made a few bad ones, and, and I'm one of them. No, because God made you, and he loved you, and he, this is what he did for you. In 1994, this was after the the Iron Curtain fell, and Russia was really kind of scrambling for a new identity. It was trying to bring in some of these Western morals and ethics that seemed to be working kind of okay for America. So they invited, Russia actually officially invited two American Christians, a pastor and a teacher, to come into the country and to kind of go on a tour and to teach biblical ethics and morals to like all these different groups. So for over the course of six months, these two Americans traveled around and they, they talked to schools and they talked to prisons and businesses, fire departments, police departments. Can you imagine that? Our school system saying, please come in and tell, tell our kids about Jesus, would you? Tell, you know, fire departments, please, would you come in and pray with us? We'd really like that. But that's what they did. They had that opportunity. And at the end of the, the six months, it was actually almost Christmas time. And the last stop on their tour was a large orphanage in Russia. And this orphanage was home to about 100 kids who all came from abused and neglected situations. And for the first time in their lives, these 100 kids got to hear the Christmas story. It's a story we've heard a million times. We've seen Charlie Brown tell the story. We've seen it on TV. We've heard it from the Bible. We've heard it from the pulpit. You know the Christmas story. You could find the most ardent atheists in the world, they could tell you the Christmas story as long as they're in America. But in in Russia back then, these kids had never once heard the Christmas story. And so these two Americans, they were reading from the Bible and they were telling them the story, and they said you could hear a pin drop in that room. Those kids were so transfixed on the story. They actually saw some kids kind of scoot up on the edge of their stool as the story progressed. And they heard about Mary and Joseph arriving into Bethlehem and finding no room in the inn. And they told them about the shepherds and the angels and the birth in the manger and the wise men. The kids were just—they were enraptured by it. And after that story was done, they had a time for arts and crafts. And they gave the kids some cardboard and colored paper and a little bit of flannel. And that was so that they could make a little manger and they could keep that little manger. So. They, the kids busied themselves, and they were all excited. It's always fun to watch kids do arts and crafts. They were doing all this, and the, the two Americans were walking around the room. They, they couldn't speak Russian, so they had a translator with them, and they, they were giving a little bit of praise to every one of these wonderful works of art uh, that were being made. But then they got to one kid, this little boy named Misha. And they looked down. I love kids because their imaginations are great. And they looked down, and in this manger, Misha had taken his supplies and put two babies in the manger. The Americans said, we gotta, we got to know what's up with that. And so they, they talked with the translator said, ask him, what's, why two babies in the manger? And so through the translator, they got the sense, sense that Misha was kind of ad-libbing a new end to the story. And so this is what, what Misha said through the translator. He said, when Maria, Mary, Maria laid the baby in the manger... Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to stay. And I told him, I said, Jesus, I have no mama and I have no papa, so I don't have any place to stay. And Misha then said, then Jesus said I could come and stay with him. But I told him I couldn't because I don't have a gift to give him like everybody else did, all the wise men and everybody. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much. So I thought about what I had that I could use As a gift. And so I told Jesus, I said, well, if I keep you warm, will that be a gift? And Jesus said, oh, yeah, if you keep me warm, that'll be the best gift anybody's ever given me. And then Jesus, so I got into the manger with Jesus and curled up around his body. And Jesus then told me I could stay with him for always. And at that, little Misha burst into tears. And the Americans just got down with him, put their arm around him. They they realized he wasn't crying because he was sad. He was crying because really for the first time in his life, he felt loved and he felt accepted. He felt like he belonged. He was truly at peace. He was loved by a God, he realized, that would never leave him, never abuse him, and never abandon him. Somebody who would stay with him for always. And that's what 1 John's talking about. Going back to the epistle here. After he tells us that Jesus is here for us, that he came to love us so selflessly, he, does, he then tells us what we should do now that Jesus has loved us so greatly. He writes this, Dear friends, since God loved us, so ought we to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love has finally been made complete in us. This is how Christmas lives for the Christian all year round. We enjoy and bask in the love of Jesus Christ 365 days a year. I know, it's crazy. It's awesome. We don't have to wait for one month of the year to be loved by God. We don't have to wait for a special 30 days or 60 days to put up ornaments and say, peace on earth. We have peace. We have goodwill. We get to shout that from the rooftops all year long. But then... We take that love that God is shining down on us and we go out and put that into action. We put our love into action. I don't think you can truly be a Christian in name only. A Christian who says, well, I love you, but I'm not going to do anything for you. Real Christians get out there and they put their love on the line because our Savior put his love on the line for us. We listen to people. We care for them. We share our faith with them. We spread the light of Christ throughout all the world, one person at a time, telling them the same truth that little Misha realized, that if you'll have him, Jesus will be with you for always. You don't have to have a Christmas you enjoy just once a year, although I hope you truly do enjoy your Christmas tomorrow. You don't have to worry that God's love is only for a short season, that the next time you mess up, he's going to yank it away from you. Or maybe just it kind of drifts away the way you might drift away from Him. But His love for you is steadfast, it is firm, and it is for always. When you understand that, when you understand that the love Jesus offers you is without any condition, without strings attached, that He is holding it out to you, when you take that gift and you open it up and you take that love into you and you offer yourself to Him in return, then you start to experience that Christmas that doesn't end for the rest of your life. Brothers and sisters, I hope that you know this gift. I hope that you have opened this gift. And if you have opened this gift, if you have Christ in you, share that love. Take this Christmas season. Don't let it end. Let the love of Christ shine through you. And if you haven't opened that gift, you've looked at that gift, you say, ah, it's not for me. It's for other people. It's for those weirdos, those Christians. I want, to, I want you to examine that gift and just realize this gift came at a cost. Such a high price. But you were worth it to Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. That's all we can say over and over again. It's all we're going to be saying in heaven. Glory to God. and Peace on earth. To whom his favor rests. Lord, we need peace in our lives so deeply right now. This community needs peace. This country, sure as anything, needs peace right now. It needs a light of you, a steadfast moral compass that shows us the way, shows us the truth, and shows us your love, your love that can change a world, that has changed a world. And Lord, it changes it one person at a time. Help us to look at others and see that you made them, that they are worth your love, and so they are worth us loving them. Help us never to withhold our love because we think somebody's not worthy of it, because maybe that person is difficult to love, they're hard to love, they're a mean person, they're never going to know you. No, Lord, we know you've called us to love them, love others, and love you. Lord, in all these things, we lift up to you and we praise you in your name. Receive as you go home to be with your family, as you celebrate in the warmth, conversation, and food, may you never forget a God who loved you so deeply, so immensely, and said you were worth it, that he came down to live and die for you. Now receive the benediction. Now may his face be upon you, may his peace be in your hearts, may his love fill your lives. And may His joy be yours everlasting. Amen. Go
0: in peace. Thank you again for listening. It is our sincere prayer that today's message has brought you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. You can also audio stream our full service. Details can be found at our website. Our church is fully wheelchair accessible and loop-enabled for the hearing-impaired. For a full schedule of activities and more information on our beliefs, visit our website at www.noxpc.com, or call our church office at 716-873-2423.